morning. Good to be with you today. And if you are a visitor at one of our campuses, let me say we're so glad that you are here uh, with us today. But I want to ask you if I could just for a couple of minutes, just take a parenthesis uh, that is for the church family and for those of us uh, who call TC home. And, and I just want to say to those of you who have been journeying with us for the last several years with Meredith's dad uh, through lymphoma and all that has been uh, playing out and that reoccurring multiple times uh, on August 2nd, he received CAR-T uh, treatment at, at MD Anderson in Houston, and, and for the last couple of weeks has been non-responsive and in an induced coma and on a ventilator, and they tried every day starting on Monday to take him off of the ventilator and were unsuccessful uh, every day this week and uh, couldn't figure it out. And apparently there are several tests that you have to pass in order to come off of the ventilator. And one of those is uh, a mental uh, capacity and a neurological awareness as to what's playing out uh, around you. And he, that's the part that he's failed every day uh, this week. And so I just want to thank those of you who've been praying. And I also wanted to share with you that yesterday on Saturday, uh, the weekend crew of all crews was able to get the tube out. And, and uh, he's passed all the neurological tests last night and today thus far. In fact, they pulled the feeding tube out today and they're going to move him out of ICU this afternoon back to a regular room. And, and we're just giving God glory and praise and, and uh, honor for that. And I just want to thank those of you who've been praying uh, with us in this journey. We just believe God is, is doing something, and, and we've kind of always believed that he would, and, and, uh, and we're grateful. We're very grateful. And so I just want to say to you, thank you for praying with us. Uh, many of you joined on, on social media. Uh, my father-in-law is actually on Twitter, and, and, uh, it, which is crazy and, and cracks me up, but he's on Twitter. And, and uh, I mentioned this in, in uh, uh, the first service, and he went from 78 followers to 380 followers. And so how many of you are on Twitter across all of our campuses today? None of the kids are on Twitter anymore. It's like old news. But if you're on Twitter, uh, I just want you, if you would, just go on right now on Twitter and follow at C.E. Dugan, C-E-D-O-U-G-A-N. And you'll, enter, you'll be entertained by his tweets anyways, but he hasn't tweeted in several weeks, obviously. And, uh, but I'm going to call him today and just say, hey, uh, Poppy is what we call him. Poppy, they're, they're following you and uh, they're praying for you. And his, some of his tweets are very insightful actually. And it's funny and he's political sometimes and, and politically incorrect sometimes. And, and, and so it's, it's very entertaining actually, but jump on and follow him. And I just want to thank you for praying with us. I also want to thank you for praying with us this week. We took our baby to college, uh, 16 and a half hours away. And, uh, on Friday night when we flew back in town, I went upstairs to look for something and uh, wandered into her room, and that was a mistake. I, I would just say to you, that was a big, big mistake. Learn from mine. When you send one off, don't do that. And, and I got emotional uh, there for a few seconds. And In fact, Meredith called Catherine and said, your dad broke down. And, and I cried for like 20 seconds. And... and uh, <laughs> And she's saying, your dad had a breakdown, is what she told Catherine. And, and well, I laugh at that because I think if that was a breakdown, I'm wondering what she's been doing for the last three months. And, and uh, because it's far beyond where I was for that 20 seconds, but uh, different chapters of life, right? And uh, every chapter, God is good and, and family is important. So I just want to thank you uh, for being our faith family and for praying with us. In fact, if you would, let's just pray uh, before we get started. God, we give you glory and honor. We thank you for healing uh, today. We 
thank you for healing in CE's life, and we pray your blessing and favor all over him, and that he would continue to heal. I pray your blood would run through every vein of his body, and cancer would be gone and would be done, and it would be stopped in its tracks, and that you would give him years and years to come of healthy uh, life. And Father, I pray for our church. We thank you for what you're doing in this church, and we pray that your blood would run through all the veins. Uh, of this organism and, and that it would be led by you, gifted by you and dwelt uh, in, in by your presence. And so Father, today, as we share, would you just let the word of God come alive to change hearts and lives? In Jesus' name we pray and together we all say amen. Now, some of you have heard some of my story because you've come to a dinner uh, that we do once a month that happens to be the 12th of September. Uh, and so if you're a guest and a new person, I want to invite you to that dinner because we only do it about once a month and this time it's at the Battle Creek campus a couple of Wednesday nights from now on, on September 12th. But, but those of you who've been heard part of my story that when I was growing up, church meant a lot of different things to me and in my vocabulary. I was baptized as an infant in the Coptic church, which is the Egyptian Orthodox church. And, and uh, I don't remember anything about that church because uh, I was a baby, but I have seen pictures that my parents have of my naked rear end being held up, you know, by that priest in front of that beautiful mosaic uh, of Jesus. And, and we've been a part in and out of several denominations while I was growing up. Uh, my brother and I went to Catholic school all the way through high school. We graduated, not just Catholic, by the way, is Jesuit, uh, which is like Shiite Catholic. Catholic. And, and it's like to the nth degree. Uh, and, and, but we grew up around a lot of different churches and denominations. In elementary school with some neighbors, we went periodically to the Methodist church. And in junior high, my mom started taking us to the Episcopal church. And, and in high school, we found the Baptist church and the youth group uh, as a part of the Baptist church. And because I went to all these different churches, church meant a lot of different things to me. One of the things it meant was an older bishop with a Duck Dynasty beard, right, dunking me under the water. Uh, and, and another thing it meant was sitting through long, incredibly boring messages in these hard wooden pews. And, and, and it, another thing it meant is a place to find a date with, with a cute girl. But, but one thing that it never, ever meant was a thriving, living, powerful force. And it never meant to me uh, the bride of Christ and the body of Christ in the world until I had an encounter with the person uh, of Jesus Christ. And when that happened, my world changed and my life changed. And when my life changed, my perception and my view of church changed. And I would just say to you today, uh, the church in general has a reputation problem in the culture and in the world that we live in. And maybe you're here today for the very first time, or maybe you're here on one of our campuses for the very first time in a long time. Let, let me just say to you, we are so glad that you're here today. And, but I also want to say to you, I bet I can guess why you've been absent. And you see, it'd be easy for me as a pastor to stand on this stage and single you out and say, you should be in church and, and, and you should have been in church and, and it's your fault that you haven't been in church. But, but instead, I want to say to you, I probably understand why you've been gone. And the reason probably is because the church in general has this reputation problem that quite honestly, in many cases, is reality. And some people view church as a group of people who pushes people away instead of embraces them. And some people see church as a group of people who are condemning instead of compassionate. And some people uh, see church as a group of people who are more interested in programs than they are 
people. And I want you to hear me say today that all of those views are completely different from the view that God has for his church, for his bride and his body and and his family. But unfortunately, those views a lot of times are accurate views of the way that the church happens to be acting in the world today. Now, instead of, in this series, uh, looking at you and saying, what do you think that the church should be and should look like, or instead of asking me what the church is or, or should be, instead of asking your neighbor or some expert on the internet, what we've been doing in this series is asking Jesus, what do you have to say about the church? And, and at one point, Jesus asked his disciples, who do you say that I am? And that's really what we're doing to Jesus is we're turning the question on him. And we're saying, Jesus, who do you say that I am as the church? Who do you say that we are? And here's what we found when we asked that question of Jesus, that he didn't answer that question with a theological equation, nor did he hand us a manual or, or a textbook. What Jesus does when we ask that question is he paints a picture Pictures, actually, lots of pictures. And he says, when I see you, I want you to know I see the bride of Christ. And when I see you, I want you to know I I see the family of God. And when I look at you, I want you to know I see the body of believers. And we've been looking at these three pictures in this series. And if you weren't a part of the last two weeks, I want to encourage you to go online and and to watch those uh, two weeks because they're foundational to to this one that we're looking at today to say Jesus uh, sees the church as the body of believers because the scripture is very clear that Jesus is building his body. Which, you know, apart from the context and understanding, that's a weird phrase, right? That, that Jesus is building his body. Does, does that mean that he's getting swole at 10 gym? I mean, what does that mean? Jesus is building his body. Like he's some sort of a weightlifter. And I guess if he was a weightlifter, he would be the original CrossFitter. It's a terrible joke, isn't it? In fact, just speaking of CrossFit, how many of you at all campuses, how many of you do CrossFit? Uh, would you just slip your hand? I'm just kidding. We already know that. You tell us all the time. And, 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 uh, but, 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 but when we say that we are the body of Christ, listen, it, it's, it means that just like your body is made up of multiple parts, the church is made up of multiple parts that work together. And we all have our own unique role uh, to play, right? And some of us are the eyes and, and we see the needs that need to be met. And, and some of us are the hands and we just get to work and some of us are the mouths and we just talk all the time, right? And some of us are the arms and some of us are the heart. And, and, and let's be honest, some of you are the appendix. Uh, we, we, we don't know what you do, but one day you could blow up and kill all of us, right? But, but, but we've looked many, many, many times at, at those passages about our roles in the body. We've studied that in this church over and over and over for years. But, but today, let's look at a passage that, that mentions our bodies from a different context all together. In fact, look at this passage in 2 Corinthians, and we're going to jump all through uh, Paul's letters today to the New Testament churches because we're looking at what is it that Jesus has to say about the church. But look at this one. He says, for we must all stand before Christ to be judged. We each, each of us will receive whatever we deserve, whether good or evil for the things we have done. Look what he says in the earthly body. And so sin is located in your body. That's where it finds a home. Uh, And and so that's the first thing I want to talk about today is our body. 
And so write that down, our body. And when we think about our bodies, I want you to know we've sinned in in our bodies. And so I just ask you the question, where do you sin? And by that, I don't mean the location, right? I'm not talking about the club or the bar or my girlfriend's house or whatever. I'm talking about where does sin reside? Because every sin that you have ever sinned, you have sinned in your body. You were there in your body, making the choice to do wrong, right? You knew it was wrong or you felt it was wrong, but you went ahead and pushed the button and did it anyways, right? And so every sin that you have ever sinned, you sinned in your body. Now that begs the question, does that mean what I think is not a sin? No, we're not that lucky, right? Because where do you think? You think in your brain, which is a part of your, say it, body. And some of you are better sinners with your brain part than you are with other parts, right? And some of us are really good with our mouth part, right, at sinning. And some people think bad thoughts about other people. Others go as far as to say them out loud, right? If you ever stole something, you stole it with the hand part of your body. If you ever lied, you lied with the tongue part of your body. If you ever cheated, you cheated with the eye part of your body. If you ever committed adultery, you did it with the, we don't need a biology lesson, right? But, but body, and, and that's where it all lies. But every sin that you have sinned, you sinned with your body. And here's the problem that you and I and every other person on the planet has. We all have a body. And we are so close to our bodies that we can't live without them. And if we tried to do away with our bodies, we wouldn't get very far. And so although, according to the scripture, sin has nestled up and made a home in our body, we have to live with it. So what are we to do? Well, Paul tells us in in Galatians chapter 2 and verse 20, and he says, my old self has been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but it's Christ who lives within me. And our old self that that needs to be crucified is where sin is rooted. And, And it is where it's seated in our bodies. And when we choose to sin and we act upon sin, it's like a seed is planted that continues to grow and grow and grow and grow. And soon it's all our bodies know is to sin. And so we need to do something. And and according to Paul, what we need to do is to crucify it. Look look what Paul uh, goes on to say. So I live in this earthly body by trusting in the son of God who loved me and gave himself up for me. In other words, we can only live in our earthly bodies free from the power of sin if we trust in the son of God. Who is that? It's Jesus. It's Jesus Christ. And what does it mean to trust in him? What what does that mean, to trust in Jesus? Is that just believing in him? It's part of it. It's not all of it. It's half of it, maybe, right? Believing that Jesus lived and and Jesus died and Jesus came back from the dead, that's only the first half of trusting him. The second half is that I put all of my trust in him. I let him call the shots in my life. I give him all the control of what is going on in my body. But that is only an option for you or for me because of what he, Jesus, did first with his body which is the second point that I, I, I want to point out to you today is Jesus' body. So if we sinned in our bodies, Jesus took our sins on his body. 
So we've got our body and we've got Jesus' body and we have this body problem and our body is the place where we sin and God knew that problem and he knew we could not deal with it so he had a plan to deal with it and it was a good one. In fact, in Colossians chapter 2, verse 9, you can write that one down, I'm not going to show it to you. In Jesus' body lies the fullness of the Godhead. The fullness of the Godhead, all of it was placed upon Jesus. So he took care of the sin in our body by taking on a body, a physical body. And his body, which was sinless, took care of our bodies, which are sinful. Because that was the only way for him to bring us back to him. Look at what Paul says in Colossians chapter 1 and verse 22. He has reconciled you to himself through the death of Christ in his physical body. Now, what does reconcile mean? It means to bring back, right? That's what reconcile means, or to make fit again. Uh, That's what it means. And so we once were perfect, right? All the way back to the Garden of Eden before sin entered the world. But all it took was one sin to spoil that sinlessness. And, And so through Jesus' sinless body, we have been brought back to a relationship with our Heavenly Father. Uh, Another way, by the way, to think of that word reconciliation is to think of a ledger, an accounting term. And so we've got this ledger, and on one side you've got assets, and, and, and the other side you've got liabilities, right? And so when you think through our side of the ledger, all we have is liabilities, because it's one sin after another, after another, after another, after another, and the whole ledger is out of balance. And as hard as we work and as hard as we try, we can never get that ledger to come back into balance. We, we can't. And, and so God had to take care of it. And the way he did it is by erasing all of it, right? And, and paying it in full. And so uh, God, through the sinless body of Jesus, wiped it all away and he reconciled our account by taking on all of our sins. Look, look at what he goes on to say here. As a result, he has brought you into his own presence and you are holy and blameless and you stand before him without a single fault. Now, obviously he's talking to the children of God here. Now, how on earth did God do that? How did he reconcile that and fix that? And how did sinless Jesus in his body take care of sinful us in our bodies? Peter answers that question in in, in 1 Peter. He personally carried away our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and live for what is right. He goes on to say, by his wounds, you are healed. And Jesus, who knew no sin, took on all of our sin on the cross. That's what was happening on the cross. That's what the cross is all about. Now, if you're new to church, uh, you probably have seen a cross and, and wondered, why is that the symbol? for church and for Christianity and, and, and for the things of God and for our faith? Why is that the symbol? And, and the answer to that is, is because that symbol points to an actual historical event where Jesus in his body took on all of our sin. And every sin that we have ever committed, you've committed, I've committed, or anyone has ever committed, was put on Jesus when he hung on that cross. And Peter says, and by his wounds, we are healed. 
And that healing is first and foremost a spiritual healing where our spirits are made whole again and we are brought back and we are reconciled to God. And every sin was hung on him. Yours times eight billion were hung on him when he died on that cross. But it wasn't just for our sins that he also bore our infirmities and he bore our sickness. By his wounds, we are healed. We, we believe with all of our hearts that Jesus was healed by the wounds of, uh, I mean, that CE, my father-in-law, was healed by the wounds uh, of Jesus. And as Jesus hung on that cross, he bore in his body any sickness your body will ever have and any infirmity your body will ever have. And if you think about it, there's so much happening on that cross that, that we don't even get a small picture into it with a simple symbol. But once you know him, and once you see it, and once you understand it, you begin to realize what's happening at the cross, then you understand what a great privilege and what a great honor it is to be considered to be part of his body, the body of Christ, which is the third point that I, I, I want us to look at. We've got our body, we've got Jesus' body, and then thirdly and lastly, we've got the body of Christ. We sinned in our bodies, but Jesus took our sins on his body. Why? So that we could be a part of the body. Which body? The body of Christ. Look at what Paul says in Ephesians. The church is his body and it is made full and complete by Christ who fills all things everywhere with himself. So we are a part of the body of believers because what he did in his body cancels out all of what you do in your body. Does that make sense? Everybody understand? And, and, and as we talk through this, listen, this is so powerful and it's so wonderful and it's so amazing. And, and, and it's more than I joined a church. It's I'm part of the body of Christ. And being part of the body means that we have a role to play and a responsibility and a part because when we do that, we grow closer and closer and closer to him, right? Ephesians points that out. Well, just quickly, we'll look at uh, chapter four. He makes the whole body fit together perfectly. And as each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow. Why? So that the whole body is healthy and growing and full of love. And if you ever thought of the church by its reputation in the culture as a group of people who only care about themselves, it couldn't be further from the picture that God paints about the church and, and the body. If you've ever thought of the church as a group of people who are only worried about you doing right all the time or a group of people who are always judging and tearing you down. First of all, I, I want to apologize to you for that bad reputation. And I want to say to you today, if you've ever let that reputation get in the way of real church, then I hope walking you through this today will help you see it the way that Jesus wants you to see it. And you can see that being a part of a body of believers is not about being a club or a secret group or on some team. It is about coming to the one who went through all of that on the cross so that we can be connected to the very one who created us. Look, I'm not saying this is easy. Okay, that's not what I'm trying to say to you today. And, and if you heard me say that Jesus took on all of our sins, so it's okay, do whatever you like because your body is sinful anyway, or it's cool, do whatever you wanna do, Jesus has your back, then, then you missed it, you misheard me. 
Because once we're in the body, God says, okay, now you're part of the body. It's time to grow. And now you're part of the body. It's time to be healthy. And now you're part of the body. It's actually time to run from sin. But so many of us have a problem with this because of the church's reputation and the reputation, quite frankly, not just of the church that we have given God. We have given God the reputation that God so hates sin that every time you sin, he must hate you. But what I want you to hear me say today is God hates sin so much that he sent Jesus to die for you. And so let me just illustrate this this way. Let's just say one of your kids is struggling in school. And let's just say math. And so your kid comes to you and says, I got an F in math. What are you going to do? And what are you going to say? In fact, let's flip the whole equation around. Like we're doing with Jesus, let's flip the whole equation around onto the child. What does the child expect you to do or say, right? Well, what does the child expect you uh, to, to, to have come out of your mouth, right? It would go something like this, an F? Are you serious? That's like failing. That's like horrible. That's the worst you can do. In fact, yesterday we were talking about Catherine. Meredith and I were driving around the truck and, and we we're talking. I said, I wonder if Catherine's gonna pay attention in class and worry about her grades or not or pay attention and, and, and you know, do well in this degree thing. And, and, and Meredith ends up making the sentence and I laughed out loud. This was the sentence she said, you know, the worst grade I ever made was an F. <laughs> and I said, that's the worst you can do. There is no G or H or I, and F is the worst you can do. And she said, what I meant to say is the worst I ever made was an F, and I only made one of those, which I don't think that's true, actually. But, but, but the worst you can do is an F. And so you look at your kid and go, that's like the worst you could do. I mean, even a D, you know, is passing, but you failed. F stands for failure. How do you fail math? And they may even expect you to say, okay, here's the deal. You're grounded. You're grounded from your iPhone, you're grounded from your iPod or iPad or i whatever, and you're grounded from your Xbox, right? And they're expecting what? They're expecting a punishment. That's what they expect. But let's turn it around for a minute. And let me just say this. I got four kids, okay? So I'm not the perfect parent. I'm a good one, but I'm not perfect. And I fall into this trap of punishment in a situation like this, just like you fall into this trap of, of punishment in a situation. But what if instead of saying, here's the punishment, what if we ask the child, what's the problem? What is the problem? Well, dad, the problem is I, I failed math. N no, that's not the problem. That's the outcome of the problem. That's the result. What's the problem? Well, I guess the problem is I, I didn't turn in my work. Okay, but what's the problem? Why did you not turn in your work? Well, I couldn't understand it. And I got behind and all right, now we're getting somewhere. And now we're starting to make progress in the conversation, but what's the problem? Why didn't you ask for help? Why did you not ask the teacher or me or, or your mother? I know why you didn't ask your mother because she doesn't know it. But, but why <laughs> did you not ask somebody who understands math how to do this? And if you get to the heart of it, it's because I didn't want to look stupid because she explained it eight times and I still still did not understand it, and I was afraid to look dumb. Now, 
we're getting to the root of the real problem. Fear. It's fear. And you see, when we turn it around, instead of a punishment, we're chasing a solution. And if you do that enough with your child, they will start to expect the solution when, when we walk through a problem instead of a punishment when they mess up. And I'm not saying it's easy, okay? It's not easy. But what I am saying is it's worth it. It, it is so worth it. So now let's take what we just illustrated with math and your child and let's apply that to the problem that you have in your body, sin. And we come to God and we say, God, I sinned again. What's my punishment. And some of you, if you're honest, every time something bad happens in your world or in your life or in the world, your tendency is to think it's a punishment. Because I sinned, God's now getting me. And maybe it was a long time ago and it was that chapter and it was that spring break or it was that marriage or it was this thing. and, And now God's, it's finally catching up to me and God is finally getting me. But what if you turned around and let God ask the question? Hey, what's the problem? And you allow him to get to the heart of why you keep messing up. You say, well, I go out on Saturdays and I hook up with that guy or that girl. And okay, what's the problem? Well, I make bad decisions and and I end up drunk. Okay, but what's the problem? Well, I end up talking bad about people all the time. Okay, but what's the problem? And he keeps asking you, what's the problem? And and eventually, if you will see it, he will help you see it, that, that he wants you to realize there is something you have never dealt with. And you've never dealt with it because you are afraid. And fear is something that will keep you from the heart of God every time. Because when we are fearful, we run and hide. Just like Adam and Eve did in the garden, right? They sinned and what did they do? They ran and hid from God. Why? Because they were afraid. And we're afraid when we sin because we expect punishment. Because the reality of what some of you have is not a relationship with God at all. What you have is a relationship with the rules. You have a relationship with the rules. And because you have a relationship with the rules, you expect to be punished because that's how it works. And that's how it works in every other arena in life. You mess up and you get the hammer. And that relationship with the rules, hear me, is what gives the church the bad reputation that it has. And we think, well, I've messed up. And so I'll go to church and get punished. Because that's where you go to get punished. And that's the reputation we have. And that's because of religion. Religion is a relationship with the rules. And religious people, hear me, they love the rules. And they love check marks. And they love to give you check marks, red ones, when you mess up. And they love to give themselves green ones when they do uh, well and when they do right, right? And they've been good. But that's not like God at all. Because God is love. And what love does is it casts out all fear. And religion is all about 
fear because religion is a relationship with the rules. That's what it is. And and the reputation that the church has us, and I just want to say to you uh, around here, we love to break that reputation because around here we believe that Jesus hates religion. And, And so do we. And instead of a relationship with the rules, we want to show you a a, a relationship with the ruler. That's what he wants. And, And the rules give you an expectation of punishment because if you don't follow all the rules, you get punished. And no one can follow all the rules right? And so we're left with this expectation of fear and punishment, but God says, I'm not about fear. I am about love. And he wants to show you his love by sending his son to cancel out the sin in your body by taking on a body that became sin. And instead of expectation of a punishment, it's the opposite, actually, that we have this expectation of hope and love and joy and peace. And he does not want to reach out to you through a long list of rules. He wants to reach out to you by his Holy Spirit because he loves you and because he wants to spend time with you. And he does not want you to spend a lot of time in relationship with the rules. And by the way, if church has been for you just a lot of time spent going over the rules, then what I'm inviting you to today is a new outlook of the church through the eyes of Jesus Christ. And and hear me, I'm not saying the rules don't matter. They're good. The law is good, but the rules can't save you. Only Jesus can save you. So why would we spend so much time in relationship with the rules when we can spend all of our time in relationship with the creator and with the lover of of humanity, right? Take a look at how this plays out in Romans chapter eight. Look what he says. The law of Moses, what's that? The rules, was unable to save us because of the weakness of our sinful nature. Where? In our bodies. He was unable. So so what happened? So God did what the law could not do. He sent his own son in a body like the body that we sinners have. And in that body... God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. So we don't want a relationship with the rules because the rules can't save us. We want a relationship with the one who can save us because he's already paid the price for your sin and my sin and everyone's sin who has called upon the name of the Lord and trusted him fully. So why not build a relationship with the ruler instead of a relationship with all of the rules? Look look at what he goes on to say in, in verse 10. And Christ lives within you. So even though your body will die because of sin, the spirit gives you life because you have have been made right with God. Listen, we we can't get out of these bodies on this side of eternity. We can't, but we can do something better. We can get in the body, in the body of Christ. When we accept him as our Lord and savior, letting him take care of all of our sins and letting him call the shots in our lives because we are a part of the body of Christ. And it does not mean you're in a club and it does not mean that you buy into that reputation. It means you have a new reputation because you are brand new. And and listen, you can't earn God's love. So what he does is he gives it as a gift, a free gift. And the invitation today is to receive that free gift 
at every campus, would, would you just bow your heads and, and close your eyes and open up your hearts? And I just want to ask you the question today. How many of you in here would say, Pastor, when you talk about a saving relationship with Jesus Christ, he is my Lord and my Savior. He walks with me and he talks with me. I've got a personal relationship with him. And that is sure and settled. At every campus, would you just lift your hand up and let me see it and say, Pastor, that's me. That's me. Thanks. You can put it down. Some of you didn't raise your hand, and I want to thank you for for being honest, but I I do want to pray for you. And at every campus, if you'd say, hey, Pastor, I don't have a relationship with Jesus. When you talk about a saving relationship with Christ, I don't have that settled. I don't know that Jesus is my Lord or my Savior. I don't know that he's my forgiver, but I would like to know that. I would like to know that. Would you just, if you're going to say a prayer, include me in in that prayer. At at every campus, if that's you, would you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me? I, I don't know. Just slip it up and let me see it all across the room. Okay, 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 okay. Anybody else? Several grown men today. Any, anybody else? You can put your hands down. Anybody else? At every campus, at Midtown, at Downtown, at South Tulsa, at Owasso, at Jinx, and, and, and Chicago, and Jordan, and Cairo, watching on the internet. Anybody else? Just, just slip your hand up and say, hey, pastor, pray for me. I don't know. I don't know that Jesus walks with me and talks with me. I don't know that he's a personal Lord and Savior for me. Okay? Just slip your hand up. Say, if you're going to pray, include me in that prayer. Okay? Okay? Okay, anybody else? God put it on my heart early, early this morning that we would see what we saw in the first service. We would see people cross over and give their lives to Christ. Just like I believe those who just raised their hands may do today. But he also put it in my heart to say, Alex, there's people in the church who have a relationship with the rules and they do not have a relationship with me. And today they need to forsake that relationship with the rules and enter into a life-saving relationship with me. And if that's you here today on one of our campuses, you've been in church. Maybe you've been in church your whole life and the Holy Spirit is knocking on your door today because he loves you. And he cares for you. And today he wants you to settle this. He's tired of the roller coaster you've been on, just like you're tired of it. Because you actually got on the wrong one. And you've been climbing the ladder, you just leaned the ladder against the wrong building. And Jesus is saying, I want a relationship with you today. And if that's you at every campus, you'd say, Pastor, that's me. I've been around church. But he's revealing to me, I I don't have a relationship with him and I need one. If that's you, would you just slip your hand up all across the room and say, that's me, Pastor. Okay, okay. Anybody else? Okay, all right. Put it back down, several hands popping up. I hope at every campus, campus pastors come if you would. Anybody else? Pastor, pray for me. Include me in that prayer. If you're about to pray, include me. Anybody else? Okay. Now, if you're here today in either category, brand new or 
been around and for whatever reason didn't get it. Today I want to lead you in a prayer, helping you get it. It's just words, it's not magic. It's not some incantation. You, you, your spirit's not going to fly out of your body into the corner of the room and watch your body do something this morning. That's not how it works. This is a decision of your will. And, and even though they're not magic words, I, I think when you put these words together and they reflect the attitude of your heart and your will, I think Jesus honors those words and will step into your life today because you mean it. And so right where you're seated across all of our campuses, you, you want to trust Christ to be your Lord and Savior. I want to lead you in a prayer one phrase at a time. There'll be people all around you supporting you in every word along the way in the prayer. But if that's you today, right where you're seated, would you just say, dear God, I know I'm a sinner. Today I ask you to forgive me for all of my sin. Jesus, come into my life to be my Lord, my Savior, and my forgiver. In the best way that I know how, I turn my back on my sin and I trust you alone, Jesus, to save me. Thank you for saving me. Thank you that you were not ashamed or embarrassed of me, but you died naked on that cross on my behalf. Help me in this moment to not be ashamed of you. Now, before we say amen, you just prayed that prayer and you meant it with all of your heart. You just asked Jesus to come into your life to be your Lord and your Savior. Would you just slip your hand up at every campus? Just slip it up and say, Pastor, I just prayed that and I meant it. I'm trusting Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. Just, just slip it up, okay? Okay, okay, okay. I anybody else? I, I just prayed that and I meant it with all of my heart. Just slip it up at every campus. Just slip your hand up if you would. Just thank you, thank you. In Midtown, at Downtown, just slip your hand up. Jinx and South Tulsa and Owasa, just, just slip your hand up. Anybody else? Pastor, I just prayed that prayer and I just trusted Christ. I gave my life to Jesus and I've settled it. I'm not embarrassed of him, but I, I'm receiving him today. Anybody else, just slip your hand up. At every campus, here's what I want to do. If your hand just went up, would you put it back up? so that your campus pastor can find you, so that I can find you across the room. If your hand went up, just, just put it up so that I can find you. And if your hand's up, I want you to look at me. The rest of you, keep your head bowed and eyes closed, okay? But if you meant it with all of your heart, right here, this couple side by side, you meant it. And, and back here, sir, you meant it. And back over here on the back row, sir, you meant it. And, and, and right here, ma'am, and right here, ma'am. Anybody else over here, just look up at me, look up at your campus pastor, okay? Right here on the front row, right back here. Sir, anybody else? Just slip your hand up so that I can find you. And, and, and if you're looking at me, let me just say to you, congratulations. Welcome to the family of God. And I would love to pray over you specifically and just speak to you specifically. So if that was you, would you just stand up so that I can find you? These lights are bright in my eyes. Just stand up. You just prayed that prayer at every campus. Just stand up so that, so that we can find you, so this campus pastor can find you. If you just stand up right where you're seated and, so that I can see you, thank you. Thank you. Right back here. Thank you. Right here. If you guys would just stand up. Anybody else? You prayed this prayer and you meant it. Right back there on the back row. Just stand up if you meant this, okay? And let me just say to those of you who are standing across all of our campuses today, congratulations. I'm so proud of you. It's the wisest decision you could possibly make today. And, and uh, in a minute, they're, it's about to erupt in, in applause around here because we've been praying for you and we've been believing God for you. But I've got some pastors right here that I would love to just pray with you for a second. 
and there's a room right outside that door and, and they just want to pray with you. I've got a book I've written called Jesus Hates Religion. We want to give you a copy of that book today and, and we want to make sure you have a Bible and we want to get you on a prayer so that we can be praying for you in your new relationship with Christ. And so if you're standing, would you just grab your Bible, grab your pen, grab your spouse, grab whoever came and just say, would you come and go with me and just make your way out into the aisle right over here into this corner of the room, okay? Just say, excuse me, and come on right over here and they're going to pray with you and as they come, we can just celebrate right now. We can celebrate right now. Bible says the angels in heaven are throwing a party and we're going to celebrate with them. Congratulations. Anybody else you need to come with these just stand and come as they begin to make their way over here into the corner of the room. Just come on. You can just make your way all the way around the back or all the way around the front. It doesn't matter. We celebrate. Now, before I finish the prayer, let me just ask you this question. Heads bowed and eyes closed. Is there anybody in here that would say, hey, pastor, when you talk about a saving relationship with Jesus, I have that, but I feel stuck. And like my prayers aren't getting past the ceiling and, and, and like the car has been pulled over onto the shoulder. I just feel stuck in this journey. And today, I would say to you, maybe it's because you've balked at a step of obedience. And he's invited you to something. And I found many, many times that step of obedience in a stuck believer's life is baptism. It could be any number of things, but baptism is one of them I see on a regular basis. And if you're here today and you say, Pastor, I've trusted Christ, but I've never been baptized. I've never taken that step of obedience to be water baptized. Or, or maybe you're like me. You did it as a baby and you came to Christ later and you need to get it in order in the same way that I did when I was uh, 15 years old. If that's you at every campus, would you just slip your hand up and say, Pastor, that's me. I need to take that step. Just slip it up high, okay? I see a couple of hands. Anybody else? Anybody else? That's me. I need to do that, okay? Anybody else? I need to do that. And so I want to pray for you as well. And if that's you, you just raise your hand to say, yes, I need to be baptized. Would you just stand up so that I can pray over you and for you specifically? Just stand up if you say, that's me. Go ahead, just stand up. I want to pray over you. I'm not going to embarrass you. I just want to pray over you. And so, Father, I pray for these that are, that are standing. And I pray today you'd give them the courage to take that step of obedience. I pray you'd meet them right where they are. I thank you, Lord, you're not browbeating them. You're just inviting them. And I pray as they take a step of courage, you would encourage them. And I pray that you would use their step of obedience as an encouragement to everyone who sees it and everyone who watches. And, and that without even saying a word, by simply going under the water and coming back up, they get to preach the truth and preach the gospel to people who are watching. And I just pray your favor all over them today. And your blessing in their lives. And so if you just stood and you're willing to talk to somebody about that, again, we have a pastor right here in the corner of the room. You can just grab your Bible and they'll set an appointment with you to take care of that. So just grab your stuff and just make your way right over here to this pastor and, and we'll get you with a lady or a man who will, who will pray with you and help you set an appointment to do just that. And if you want to do it today, we'd be happy to do it today. Anybody else, you need to stand and come uh, with these. Now, church, let me just ask you this question. Aren't you grateful? to be a part of a faith family 
the body of Christ, where we get to see life change on such a regular basis around here. I'm so grateful for that. And I just thank the Lord that I get to be a part of that. And, and, and today, we're going to continue worship as these go and, and are prayed for and, and are talked to, and maybe some of them getting ready for baptism. Uh, let's stand and worship together all across this uh, auditorium today, and we'll worship him while they get ready, and, and maybe we'll get to watch somebody who follows the Lord and believers' baptism today and celebrate with them. But let's lift him up and